0: Welcome to Power Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Warbow's most homegrown work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are here to talk about two chapters in Pale, one of which might be the, the best chapter that has ever happened. Is that right, Elliot?
1: I mean, that's my vote for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty up there. Um, <laughs>
0: so we'll get to that in a moment. But first, just a quick note, which is that Uh, the Discord, which used to be a perk exclusively available to patrons who backed us, uh, or who backed Doof Media on Patreon, that Discord is now open to everybody. So anyone can head in and discuss this show and any of our other shows, uh, including shows like Game Club that are very community-focused, without having to be a patron at all. So if you want to do that, head on over to doofmedia.com forward slash Discord, and you can find the info there.
1: Yeah, uh, there'll be a link to that in the show notes as well uh so yeah come join us we talk about pale we talk about all the other things do the right thing another community one so yeah Mm -hmm. come check it out
0: yeah perfect now let's get on with shaking hands 9.8 which (laughs) is a a great chapter but has the unfortunate uh (laughs) distinction of being paired with 9.9 yeah um but it is it's still a good chapter uh sorry sorry 9.8 you're still good you just pale in comparison i guess oh boy Um, That was unintentional, but there we are. Uh, So, we're in Avery's head. Avery's in the library looking for tickets or, you know, things that can be used for the entry to the uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer path. Um, She's looking for tickets when some rowdy kids in the library get in the way, and she distracts them by throwing Snowdrop at them, effectively.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I also just want to bring up, again, this chapter opens with, like, the heat wave, being Mm. a really big thing like it's kind of on avery's mind for a lot of this chapter Mm. and i'm just locking in once again that i i think this is like a thing no like i mean i like don't get me wrong i'll whinge till the cows come home if there's a heat wave here but like in this world i just feel like you know especially with our now confirmed culprit edith being associated with like heat and flames Mm. this is this is like a, a thing that actually matters in the setting yeah
0: yeah you're right It it's shown up a few times yeah um i wonder what implications that heat could have
1: yeah i mean the fact especially like next chapter like avery is kind of folding under the heat um it, it it's not great imagery heading into confrontations with edith
0: mm. Mm. yeah yeah
1: you're right. <laughs> You're very right.
0: Um, but yeah, this is a good uh, a good Avery chapter. I mean, she continues to kind of go around taking care of business, making friends, and taking names, basically.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Um, she she meets this cute librarian who unfortunately has a boyfriend. Sorry, Avery, <laughs> and is also like ten years older than you at the at the absolute minimum.
1: You can't you can't see it right now, but I'm winking because that's what the mm. cool kids do that's what all the cool kids do yeah <laughs> um i i love this moment where avery like she ta- so she takes those kids outside to distract them with snowdrop uh and she says to them why don't you give the librarian a break and one of the boys is like mm. it's funny though and avery just like looks at him and she's like is it and he and he breaks eye contact and it's just Whenever Avery's channeling her That in is elusive, stone cold, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's brutal, and I loved it. Like, mm. what a great way to challenge someone being shitty, <laughs> just, like, when they try to justify it. You're like, is it, though?
0: Mm. Um
1: Can we then talk about this bit where... I mean,
0: obviously, these kids are very annoying, and the librarian isn't having a good time. She calls them shitbags, and then describes vividly having fantasies of murdering these children... And, uh, yeah, I mean, Carmine Influence is the thing that comes to mind for this, obviously, but, um, I don't know, it just felt bad. Like, it felt, we've heard about this Carmine Influence a lot, but we haven't actually, I don't think, I don't feel like we've seen that much that backs it up, right? But this is a pretty strong one.
1: Yeah, well, my understanding is that it's kind of like, it's only just starting to hit the innocence to this degree mm. like obviously crime has mm. been growing going up and we've he- we've been hearing about that but it's kind of like yeah now we're sort of seeing how just normal people are starting to be affected by this um i normal, mean honestly
0: good, but- innocent people like this librarian or for an yeah
1: exactly i mean i, I don't know. <laughs> i i used to teach swimming and having worked with kids I can imagine being in a situation where if kids were doing this to me and it wasn't even meant to be my job. Mm. I, mm. I don't think the library... I, I, I sympathise with what the library Of is course. Be, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just that kids
1: are the worst, <laughs> which is fair enough. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, the thing that does come to mind, especially since this is an Avery chapter, is... Um, the way this Carmine influence really seems to work with the innocents, at least at this point, is it's kind of like it, it. It both puts them more on edge. Like you know, we're seeing these more vivid uh, fantasies uh, by the librarian of like how she would kill them, or at least you wouldn't normally tell someone about it. Um, and then also, by like, presumably, it's the sort of thing that like when it puts the kids on edge, it, it makes them more likely to piss someone off. So obviously, like you know, that's a like a like positive feedback loop of. You know, everyone's more on edge and people are more likely to do dumb things, which puts everyone else more on edge. Um, and that obviously just has terrible effects for everyone's ability to like work together and be part of a team. Um mm. and in an Avery chapter and a story that is in general talking about how we work together, um, that feels like it's going to become more and more important. Like we this arc has already dealt with a bunch of people, and we'll get their next chapter, um, who can't seem to work with other people or don't want help. And It feels like the more the Carmine influence takes hold, the more that that's going to be the case.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, again, the Carmine influence is something that feels like uh, it hasn't really had that much impact on the story yet, has it? Right. But we feel like we have seen, I I feel like we've heard so much discussion of it that I'm kind of like... I don't know I, I guess I now expect it to play a major role in some way but I just don't know what that is
1: I think it's been this sort of subtle catalyst for a lot of things in that it's like you know there are so many things that have happened in this story that would have been a, a you know five out of ten but they became an eight out of ten because of it. yeah um,
0: I guess that's true but it, it it's always I guess because it's so subtle it's yeah. hard to be like, oh, that was because of the Carmine influence. While we can't just be like, that one, that one was Carmine influence, that one wasn't, etc.
1: Well, I suppose that's the um, thing about about some like this is is it's not the sole reason. It like exacerbates things, mm, like like it it's tipping stuff more off balance. I suppose.
0: Mm,
1: mm, yeah. As on the side as well, um, like Avery grabs all these invitations and stuff from memory um of like the forest ribbon trail and stuff like what you use as the ribbons and you know obviously what animal you get for your boon companion like affects how the path is shaped Mm. like you know because we know that paths can sort of be drastically different to each person and and something that's come up is like for want of a better word the ingredients you use to to get there have an effect on how it manifests yeah like i'm trying to read into what might happen to Avery's promenade based on the kinds of invitations she's pulling out here like you know she gets lots of ones to sporting events um oh interesting yeah and, and, and birthday stuff. parties of of lonely children yeah exactly so yeah like you know i i, I can't possibly speculate at this point but i i want to almost leave it as an exercise for after we go to the promenade and and see what we see i want to come back and be like oh maybe yeah, this came from that...
0: yeah yeah interesting mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Interesting. I wonder what how that will play into it. Maybe just kind of theme a bit of uh, Avery's involvement, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that the birthday party ones give more uh, credence to Miss showing up, just because mm. you know friends, family, sort of inviting vibe. your friend. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll see. Um, so yeah, uh, Avery collects these. You know, tickets and such. Uh, and then, as she's starting to head out, she finds these pins. Somebody desperately trying to put positivity out into the world, and she resolves to uh, to, to try and do more of that as well, as if she wasn't already.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just nice to see someone else doing it, though, isn't it? Like, this is such a beautiful little moment. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it is.
0: And Avery's great here. I mean, like. Obviously, she is so focused on connecting with people and being so genuine. Um, And it's, it's, we've hit this beat a lot, but she's just so good at it. And I mean, we can compare this to, um, to the other Kenneteers and how they're so reluctant to like be trusting and be open with people for for, for valid enough reasons. But yeah, I just, just Avery continues to give my soul life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, like this ties into all that stuff she said about like finding snowdrops out on the paths, right? Like she, so much of Avery is about putting positivity out into the world, and it just means so much to her to see somebody else doing that too. Um, mm. yeah, uh, and especially like up until now in this chapter, she's been dealing with assholes doing arsehole-y things. So mm. seeing this is just it. It it comforted me as much as it helped Avery. I think.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's good to get a bit of injection of positivity and and wholesomeness into the chapter, isn't it? Mm, mm. Um, into the story in general, I guess. Um, so there's this moment where uh, Avery has a, a bit of a minor confrontation with a woman who is like the parent of these children or something like that, right? Um, the grandma of grandma, some I yes. think. Yeah, and and Avery. Flags that she might be aware. And I think this is interesting because I think this is kind of demonstrating to us the Carmine influence and, and the Carmine deadline approaching and shit getting weirder and weirder. I i think we're seeing the otherification or awareification of more and more innocence. And I think this woman is a great example. um And we'll get another good example, I think, next chapter.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they do touch on Melissa next chapter sure And <laughs> she also applies i think to an extent but you know oh, no. vd is obviously yeah who well, I meant. well yeah well yeah uh let's touch on that as well because i'm not sure i fully agree but um I, mm. when you brought this up i was like i i had a thought because i think this this makes sense in a way because like the the rules of having innocence um that's part of solomon's seal isn't it like I admit, I I sometimes get a bit confused about what's actual and what's fan theory and and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like part of the agreement was that humans who live in, like, cities and stuff have that right to be innocent. Um, Mm. Or or maybe not necessarily innocence as part of the seal, but, like, the protection innocents get is part of Solomon's arrangement.
0: That's protection from others. Yes. Right? Not necessarily protection from, like, I don't know, like who's breaking the seal in that oh, sense by this person? No, no, no turning sorry. into another, right?
1: Um, yeah, no, I, uh, sorry. What what I was sort of meant was, so if that protection of the innocence is sort of part of the seal, and you know we're right mm-hmm. that what's happening in Canada is the culprits are doing some kind of oni situation it makes sense that part of what they're trying to do would, like, erode that protection of the innocents. Right, yes. So yes. So that idea that more of them are starting to become aware and more of them are going to become mm. targetable by, by the others. Like, if this becomes more and more of an area where those rules don't apply, innocence right. is going to matter less and less. It, it theoretically could even become a bit of a hunting ground for others. Yeah, exactly.
0: Interesting. I hadn't thought about it to that extent. Um, I guess in that sense, I'd be worried for Ken uh who knows what would happen to him there
1: but yeah um yeah uh but i mean i definitely think i I think you're right that it's like you know again the carmine stuff is is accelerating you know people's tracks to becoming aware and stuff if that's the path they're on um Mm. but there's been a lot of talk about like melissa and what aware abilities she might get because you know like I, you know, I, I get the impression that not every aware has, you know, sort of things like a lot of Bristow's ones. It's just those are the ones he collected. Like he collected aware that had weird abilities and stuff. There might just be a lot of aware who just, you know, mm. have a bunch of cats. <laughs> like, yeah, like this we, yeah, exactly.
0: We, we kind of have a bit of selection bias for the aware that we've met in the story because they're the ones that Bristow has found useful. So, yeah, you know, they might just be some of them. Most of them might just be people who have run across things and it has fucked up their life in a really unhelpful way, e.g. Melissa or Verona's dad.
1: Yeah, but I think that the Carmine imbalance and stuff probably increases the chances that you get ones with odd powers or, like, gimmicks or whatever you want to call even, even just disruptive gimmicks, yeah. yeah. Like, um, you know, we saw, like, Clem was commenting when she was here in Arc 5. It was like, she found, like, Three objects in one day, which should have taken months. Like, and and there was a a lot of talk that arc about how Kenneth was accelerating who they were as aware. So it kind of makes Mm. sense that that applies further up the slope for someone like Melissa. Like she's probably charging down a lot quicker than she might normally. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, she may end up with some kind of ability or something a lot sooner than she probably
0: should. Should. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, again, we'll have to see, right? I, I feel like, especially with the end of the next chapter, we're starting to kick off the final conflict territory. So uh, yeah. I'm assuming this stuff will, will come up pretty soon.
1: 9.9 really fucked with where I thought the next, like, 10 chapters or so were going. I thought yep. I had a picture of what we were doing, and I should know better by now. I've read enough Wildbo stuff that I should know. I can't predict where we're going to be. You in the can't hour predict hour it. Because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So
0: uh avery prepares to rendezvous with the gang but first takes the opportunity to create some of her special finder gear first she creates the finder's knot which anchors others to reality a bit
1: yep and of course this is a world based on meaning and and stuff so Mm -hmm. to give it power she literally has to put her blood sweat and tears into it which is just uh what fun this world is yep good stuff um Yeah, I mean, just the
0: fact that she has to think about the things that are making her cry in order to create this is just like shoving down your face, hey, these Tears and their emotional trauma, um, (laughs) which then, of course, pays off even more in the next chapter, (laughs) as the emotional trauma that that Verona has been avoiding uh, overflows again.
1: See, I I think I'd actually kind of make the case that building something like The Finders Knot is maybe... a a good or like therapy resolution way for it mm. working through this stuff cuz it's like i mean the blood bit obviously isn't great cuz you just have to cut yourself and put blood into it i'm not going to defend that part but like the tears it, it's like Avery has to sort of let herself cry about some of these sad things which i think is healthy and then also she gets to like use that to build something new and like awesome Mm. so uh, that that feels quite healthy to me sort of letting yourself feel and then being able to channel that energy into something new and cool because she makes this um yeah the, the pokeball thing and um her barometer bracelet um, mm. those are really cool and helpful so it's kind of like using that pain to very literally equip yourself to handle things better in the future like right? that's what you want if, so- if something terrible and bad does happen to you using it to become stronger is is kind of a best case scenario and because this is the other verse Avery gets to do that in a very literal way
0: yeah you're right I I mean I guess the the metaphorical counterpoint to that would be she's taking this uh this trauma or whatever and rather than somehow processing it she is like putting it into a thing that she will literally carry around with her for a while but um I don't know maybe that's that's a a slightly conflicting read, and I do I agree yours makes sense, especially the start of next chapter, Verona does something very similar where she talks about how the practice actually helped her process. Um so maybe you're right. Maybe it is a a just a different method for processing difficult emotions.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess we'll see how it ends up being. Because I mean a, a lot of this stuff is very individual and, and context dependent. Yeah. So yeah, uh we'll just kinda have to see, I think um i i I do i i guess part of my hope comes from the fact like avery sort of goes on this big internal monologue about how uh she did play baseball for a bit but like the league got ruined by parents and coaches who took it way too fucking seriously um Mm. and she had no one to have her back when they took away her stealing bases like ability um and and so she she kind of takes that memory of her being alone and and sort of you know beaten down by by the populace and brings it forward to make something really cool here and and she's doing something herself now like she doesn't need the backup as much now so i I don't know that it was like a lot of the imagery like that i was like i think this is good
0: Mm. Mm. yeah fair enough
1: um also she's got that new knife now like the really shit one i guess this is the point i wanted to make i was like it it's a knife that only works when you like drop water on it but not too much water. Mm. Like, it sucks. I don't get... She, she seems to really like it, and I don't understand why. Mm. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I didn't get <laughs> it either. It doesn't seem... I think it's just Avery finding something and being like, "Oh, this is cool, I want to try and make this work, even though it's a bit shit.
1: I don't know. She is sort of very proud of herself for, like, verona how it works.
0: Yeah, um, which is cool, but she doesn't go the step further to realize that it's a liability of a knife
1: yeah like uh, you know if this was lucy I, I i feel like i'd be more inclined to be like oh it's kind of cool because it's a knife but it's only violent when you want it to be like you know otherwise it's mostly harmless uh it, 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 like you could kind of st- string that together maybe but like you know sometimes it just rains uh, yeah i don't know i don't get this knife
0: <laughs> mm, um yep me neither <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm expecting it to,
0: to come up again, you know, every tries and stabs something with a knife, but it's not raining, so instead
1: it doesn't work or whatever. I suppose it'd be really good at the end of 9.9 if Avery can get into the basement with Verona.
0: Oh, yeah, shit. This knife is made for that drizzly basement, huh?
1: Yeah, but it's kind of like, you know, if we got to fight Edith, if it's raining already, that's like 90% of the job done.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, the knife isn't really going to be the deciding factor <laughs> yeah, there, <definitely>. is it? <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh <laughs> the other Kenneteers arrive with some goblins in tow and they're planning on uh triangulating with compasses to figure out uh where the weird other is by tracking the depression in the in the, you know, rolling the ball downhill kind of vibe.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. I I, I wanna to touch on this other again because it kinda of seems like we're maybe going to skip out uh actually fighting it. Yes. Um but obviously, the word depression has come up a lot around this thing in in the you know the definition of depression that is like a whole Um, but the fact that it's like a big black cloud that sucks up mm. bad energy, and we're using the word depression a- around it a lot, very naturally. I just I I'm starting to think that's sort of what like it reminds me of the doom in a way. I wonder if this is like a depression right. version of the doom. Interesting um and and i think that's really interesting because this thing's teamed up with new gabe plus who has been compared to edith so we've kind of got an mm. edith alike working with a doom alike mm. uh, is yeah God knows have, what, that could be foreshadowing yeah. or whatever maybe
0: they are uh dark mirrors of the uh of the original ken and others i mean John, Mercica, Gillamay. I'm trying to see if any of the others would fit. They don't really, but maybe we'll see how they do. I, I've thought that <laughs> we've had things before where we've been like, well, this kind of feels like this group is a mirror of that other group, but it doesn't really fit. And then like a week later, Wildbo will write something demonstrating very, very clearly how they do match each other. <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, okay. So I'm yeah. assuming if if that's the case, we'll see it again. Wildbo will be like, and actually this... Parasite other is a perfect representation of Alpi in this way that you never would have considered
1: you idiot. <laughs> yeah. I mean uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was definitely just focusing on the pair here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm just the, the fact that this thing's starting to remind me of the Doom and the fact that New Gay Plus has been compared to Edith, I'm like, this yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I I almost think at this point what we're gonna do soon is get an interlude of some of the others fighting new game plus and and the depression other and that'll Mm. be really interesting to see i think um Mm. because yeah i i'm yeah my 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 sort of not actually taking a shot the dark theory is that these two are reflective of edith and the doom in some way that Wobbo will eventually have to spell out for us Mm. yeah i think so too yeah yeah we'll see we'll have to see
0: um Avery mentions that she's planning on doing her familiar ritual tomorrow. Uh, that, I was going to say that's exciting, but given the way 9.9 ends, <laughs> there's no way that plan goes ahead, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we already sort of touched on this, but it's like 9.9 just completely shut on everything I thought we were about to do. Um, mm-hmm. Although, interestingly, I think I, I should have double-checked the phrase in this, but I'm pretty sure like Avery has sort of stated definitively that she's going to go to the promenade um and like agreed to meet them there so it's kind of like even if the shit's going down because of practitioner bullshit she might still be obligated to go uh mm. which is very fun like Avery having to run off and do the familiar ritual in the middle of canet burning down uh would mm-hmm. be a very fun sort of mini arm <laughs> it would be like, and i mean maybe that will happen just because of how wild it would be but
0: avery sort of, well
1: it's sort of what happened with Lucy's implement ritual in a way, right, in a way, right? Like you're right. It was a way to
0: kind of keep themselves out of a conflict, but th- this is a conflict they can't keep themselves out of, right?
1: No, it's a bit different because it's going to be like in the midst of the shit fighting. Whereas, like when when they did yeah. the implement ritual, it was very much like, okay, you guys start this shit, and we're just going to not be involved. Um, yeah, and that obviously didn't work out long term. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I just I, I think that would be very fun if all the shit's going down a toilet. No, we still have to make this appointment. Mm, yeah. Um. The thing that I could
0: see meaning that it's going to happen is, uh. well, I guess we'll get to this a bit next chapter, but I think it's relevant for this. Verona mentions that even finding the furs isn't going to be enough. They need to be more powerful. They need to have their rituals done. Mm. So maybe it is a thing where they're just going to have to do it because they need... The power that these rituals will give them.
1: Oh, and I mean, also, if this path does turn into a way to potentially get Miss back, that's fucking hugely relevant. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Bringing back the well, old leader.
0: Well, it? Is it good? It's definitely relevant. Would it be positive? <laughs> we ha- would have to see, right?
1: I can't imagine a situation where more Miss is bad, but... Sure, I, mean, yeah, I don't obviously. know. I mean, you know,
0: who knows how behind it she was how involved she actually was i I don't
1: think she was i i think the girl like we saw in her head in 5.d she's legit i i yeah she's legit i can't all right fair enough um Um, also can we just say like so avery's plan is to actually do the familiar ritual on the promenade she's sort of like yeah what we'll do is get there early do the familiar ritual and then like the others will arrive and you guys can like take notes off on the side mm. which is just like that's that's such a, like, to quote you, that's a mad last play right there. Like, that is insane. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, the other people got kicked off this path in, like, two minutes, didn't they say? Like, yeah. Um, I, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I don't... It's a bit insane, but <laughs> yeah. so wild.
0: Um. So, here's a fun beat. Verona gives the little goblin a name. Yeah. Right? The little goblin's name is Pekka Snot, and... We, so, I mean, we talk, talked about the Discord at the start of this chapter. Funnily enough, this exact conversation came up in the Discord like four months ago, five months ago, something? Yeah. Um. And you mentioned the name Snotpecker, uh, and now five months later, Verona has in-character burned you by telling <laughs> you how wrong you were, so oof, that's
1: gotta hurt. I mean, to, <laughs> you say that, but the burn here is that I'm the same as Lucy, mm. so... Okay, like if that's if I meant to feel bad for being on the same level as Lucy, I'll take it. Mm.
0: Hmm, hmm, fair enough, I guess. <laughs>
1: I mean, although Verona, you've said many times Verona is your favorite
0: Kenneteer, so uh, oh yeah, you just got burned by your favorite <laughs> Kenneteer, Elliot. That's gonna hurt. Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, it it was funny because it was like almost word for word. I was like, I think Snotpecker rolls off the tongue better. It was like, yeah, I needed the exact, the exact logic bomb Verona dropped on us, uh, it was good i mean mm. pekka snot in general continues to fascinate me like i can't wait to see because something that sort of keeps happening to him is like verona is helping him escape the really toxic shitty parts of like goblin culture i don't know if that works. i mean people say australian culture so why not goblin culture um like you know we saw this right back in 5.d when he was first introduced like pekka isn't as naturally, like, violent and shitty as a lot of other goblins, but he kept getting dragged into it. And I'm so curious, like, Verona is sort of pulling him out of those parts and giving him the freedom to be himself. And that, like, I can't wait to see where that goes.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. What is that? What's going to, like, is he going to become not a shitty goblin? Is he going to become, like, super chill? Is he going to become not a goblin at all? Yeah, Who knows?
1: Exactly. Like, that, that's what's going to be so fun to explore with this stuff, is what, what Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, mm. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, uh,
0: the trio make plans to head home, but as they do, they notice something strange. There is interference with the compasses. Triangulating this, they think they might have found the furs. Oh, shit. Um, and it's just worth saying, we talked about in our pale predictions last week, uh, a user called Snowdrops Tiny Fan predicted that this would be the exact way that they would find the carmine furs. And it was 100% correct. So yeah. well played Snowdrops Tiny Fan for making a baller prediction that paid out 100%.
1: Yeah, a bang on the money. Um, mm-hmm. I I like this as a cool thing because it is sort of explained that if they just made these compasses before the depression other was here, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked be- mm. because it is shielded, but it's like, just because now there's interference, they can sort of backtrack it. Um, it's they like can it kind also- measure
0: how much it's not working as it should, whereas before yeah. there wouldn't be a way that it should have worked. So it wouldn't have done anything. Exactly.
1: Um, Which is just like yeah i I mean yeah it, it I can't wait to sort of it sets it up as a limited opportunity, which I think is like all yeah, immediately raises the stakes of like okay, we've got until this depression other is handled to tackle this
0: mm yeah, um yeah, so yeah, I mean it's really fun for this to unravel like as they notice that it's acting weird, you're just kind of like, oh, that's weird, but then as they start to to track it a bit more and it clicks, it's so baller um But we'll talk about that, obviously, a bit next chapter. (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah. No, but you're right. That sort of delivery um, of, like, the puzzle, like, that's always one of my favourite parts of the other verse is when puzzles start to unravel themselves to the protagonist and you get to follow along with, like, them testing stuff and and try to beat them to putting the logic together. It's very fun.
0: Mm, mm. Um, Yeah, it is fun, isn't it? Uh, So... Let's get into Shaking Hands 9.9. We're in Verona's head. Do we have to? Yeah, I know, right? Um, (laughs) Verona starts out this chapter by listing all the ways that she likes not being human, (laughs) which is a classic Verona moment.
1: Yeah, it's pretty great. It's sort of like she just easily and immediately can list five cool things about being a crow right now. Uh, But she is very much struggling to motivate herself to go home and protect her dad. And Mm. I don't think any of us blamed her before and definitely not after.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: God, uh, on second read of this chapter, seeing how this chapter ends up going, it's so clearly hinting at what's going to happen. But we've become so used to this kind of talk from Verona that it's just like, yep, this is just Verona things. Move on.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's very much imprinting home bad into your head. i i mean i I do want to point out i think in last week's episode uh we sort of talked a lot about how it's like oh this new dynamic with verona having power is really fun and i can't wait to see where it goes um Mm -hmm. i mean how wrong you were (laughs) i expected bounce back but um not this harsh and not this quick i suppose uh (sighs) so yeah not as fun as i expected (laughs) um um yeah yeah, because she also she hasn't even called her mum back, right? Like that was a thing that was set up a few chapters ago. Yeah. Uh. So that's that's the next step is if she emotionally recovers from what happens in this chapter, she also has to call her mum. Um. <laughs>
0: yeah. Add that to the list of terrible piles of fuck. Um. <laughs> so I I want to touch on this the fourth beat that she pulls out here, which is effectively her saying. That when she's not human, it allows her to assess and process her emotional state in a more of a safe way, right? And I think it's yeah. interesting because, like, obviously, something that's important for for you know emotional development of children is the ability to have kind of a safe place to process things. Um, Verona doesn't have that at home. What kind of is the closest thing to that was her room, but that is kind of violated this chapter. And so this is kind of the one that she has retreated to. This is her safe place where she feels like she can assess and process her emotions. Like it's, it's worrying that, that she has to literally become not a human to do that. But (laughs) I don't know, that beat kind of reassured me a bit about the stuff that happens at the end of this chapter, where she turns into a cat for what seems like, I mean, at the time I thought she was going to be a cat for like
1: an arc or two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, See, yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I kind of came down differently on this. I'm not, I mean, yeah, like, obviously, I agree with you. Like, I'm pro anything that actually causes Verona to introspect and learn to uh, cope with and understand her emotions. Um, Like, she clearly needs it. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like turning into a bird and flying above the city to kind of really muddle your emotions, I, I don't know if that's it um mm. this is this is very much something that removes you from them further, and yeah. uh, like you know I guess as we see later in the chapter, I think she she starts to use it in the distinctly unhealthy way later in the chapter um so i I, I, I especially like even looking at it at the start here, I'm like, I don't know if this is it. um I want you to get more in touch with your feelings, Verona, but I think shuffling them away to see what happens isn't the way to do it. Mm. But I mean, hey, if it, if it gets her motivated to start doing it, that's something. I mean, you know, you don't have to start optimally. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I, I I did like how reassuring it was. But having said that, we hear her say that this helps her process her emotions. We don't see her actually do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well,
0: maybe we do. We Actually, we do, but not when she's in this form. The closest we come is later in the chapter when she's a human. So, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe she's just
1: bullshitting us. Yeah, I think she thinks it's true. I just don't think yeah. she's necessarily right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, she does do a cool new trick with the glamour where she, like, lands and fucking, like, all these crows s- scatter, like, from her thing. It's, like, the coolest fucking entrance bullshit ever. Like, she, she you could tell she's sort of doing a superhero landing and this murder of crows flies out from where she landed like i i i I, yeah i I don't really have anything to say except i just fucking love that whole vibe Mm. i'm just waiting for her to get a flying broom at this point she's leading into the witch's sake in such a cool way Mm. yeah yeah you're right that would be very cool (laughs) um ah,
0: verona such (laughs) a good times huh
1: um yeah and and the other thing with the crow, like. Vibe is um part of why she does this trick is because she she hasn't figured out how to do Lucy's one of splitting herself off into multiple foxes um and I, I wanted to touch on this because you know Verona is usually the one who clicks on this stuff the quickest especially glamour um and, and and so the fact that she can't figure out this trick that Lucy did um I I feel like it comes back to what you sort of talked about with how like Lucy was in a way sort of splitting into the different parts of herself when she was uh turning into the multiple foxes it was kind of yeah. like it, it took this really uh, Or I, I think what lucy did took this really strong understanding of who she was and the sort of mm. parts of herself mm. and as we've just kind of talked about verona doesn't quite have that uh at least as naturally so yeah. uh instead what she does is comes out with an equivalent that's all about throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and deflecting. Uh, which is much more her speed Mm. yeah (laughs) it's more her style
0: the crow trick is pretty great i do love it
1: yeah well and because the other little detail i noticed and maybe i'm making this up but like whenever we see verona in glamour she often just talks about the 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 body of whatever she is as herself um there's like occasional moments where she references herself being wrapped up in the animal. Like She does it once in this chapter. She sort of references herself wrapped up in a crow. Mm. Um, but for the most part, she just talks about the crow as if it's herself. Whereas mm. when we saw use, Lucy use it earlier in the arc, and when we've seen her use it historically, Lucy places a lot more emphasis on it being her wrapped up, and then occasionally talks about like the foxes as if they're her. Like, it's just this slightly different emphasis, but it's kind of like, I I feel like Verona focuses more on the fact that she is this thing, and then occasionally she's wrapped up, whereas Lucy is much more still herself, wrapped up in something that she's occasionally tipping And it's like, you know, it's like those little differences in how they use glamour come out in that sort of focus. And that's why, like, it's why Lucy was able to make the multiple foxes because she's still thinking of herself while in that form more, whereas Verona just leans into the glamour a bit more yeah i mean verona's self i think isn't as strongly identified even in this
0: chapter yeah. she kind of talks about not knowing the kind of practitioner that she wants to be and obviously the, this we know that yourself is the thing that kind of gets weakened over the course of the all this emotional damage and trauma right um yeah. so yeah i i
1: think that's great i think that's a great pull um yeah because i don't know that have we like ever seen avery turn into an animal at least since like ark two or three like she doesn't really do that much mm. no it's not a. she's not as keen on it as the others are i guess no she she mostly mostly uses glamour for those check marks
0: yep <laughs> which are just as important
1: oh yeah well i mean but again that's just like she isn't wrapping herself up at all she's just directly sort of adding to it mm-hmm. um so
0: uh verona gets home and she tries to make it in <laughs> Sorry, I've just realised in my notes, I don't even reference Verona's dad, I just say she tries to make it in and out of the house without him noticing, assuming that we all know who I'm talking about, which if isn't just the, the strongest summary of the vibe of this chapter. Um, but yeah, she tries to get in and out of the house without him noticing, and luckily she succeeds. She leaves with no issues and goes meet,
1: meeting up with Avery and Lucy, and it's all great, isn't it, Elliot? <laughs> no, unfortunately, Brett finally stands up to his bratty daughter. Yep. Um,
0: Good. She. He finally cracks <laughs> down on his unruly. <laughs> no, I, I, like genuinely. God, <laughs> fuck. This is terrible.
1: Oh, I, Yeah. I, I mean, before <sighs> we before we dive into this whole mess, because we're obviously going to be on it for a while. Um, I. I want to quickly touch on this moment. Uh, fairly early on uh as verona gets down to the basement where she starts texting jeremy Mm. because i feel like this is just a little reminder that like she needs to be warding jeremy's house too right because i think any other in town worth their salt knows that jeremy is just as good if not more like an even better target than her dad if you want to fuck with verona right
0: Mm.
1: Mm. um yeah i think so I don't
0: think Verona has clicked that that's the case.
1: No, but like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, like, Verona loves her dad, and I think like that's the thing that would really upset her is she's going to get upset if he does get hurt. Um, but in terms of like easier pickings, I, I feel like an other's just going to go for Jeremy, um, because he he's yeah, that's going to upset her in in a whole different but still just as intense way. I I think. Mm. She needs to either ward his house or get him to come and hang out with her dad for the day. Although I suppose that kind of defeats the point of protecting him. He'd probably rather be tortured by one of the others. Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. God. I didn't even think of it until you mentioned it, but Jeremy really is a vulnerability here, right? Um, And Jeremy's connections to Verona are clearly defined enough that it wouldn't be too hard to figure that out.
1: Oh uh, yeah, especially if if Mariska is one of the culprits, which like still seems pretty likely based on the whole uh awakening ritual coin thing. Um yep. there's no way she hasn't clicked on the onto that.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> and and like, we have um, the added thing there that Jeremy is, you know, one of the backups for becoming a Kenneteer. Like he's gonna slip pretty easily into this stuff. Uh so yep. uh if he does sort of get dragged into it, uh it's gonna be a pretty steep and quick fall, I imagine. And that'll be very fun for us, not for him. I think maybe he'll come out of it being a, a kick-ass practitioner. Who knows? I don't think it's going to be a fun journey to get there, though.
0: Mm. Yeah. No, that's true.
1: Um. So, yeah, here we are in this
0: chapter. Uh, I think the first thing to say is when I was writing my notes, I almost called this the culmination of their relationship. But it's not, right? Like... This is a combination of the beats with Verona and her dad but it's not it's an escalation of his abuse but it's not resolved there's yeah. not it's not done there's more coming there's more resolution of this coming and that's terrifying
1: i think yeah you're right it's a, it's a big turning point it's an escalation but it's not uh an ending yet um uh, there's been lots of talk about like getting lucy and avery to finally step up and and you know there was that time they promised to help verona if things got worse with her dad uh a lot of people have decided this qualifies i would tend to agree so Mm. um we'll we'll see where it continues to go but yeah at this point it's not the end it's just an escalation Mm. yeah yeah
0: it's uh it's rough there's there's a lot of terrible stuff in here. Um, I feel bad that I have read Megafire's essay on the Reddit now because I just want to pull in all their great points. <laughs> um, I think a strong recommendation for everybody to go check out Megafire's essay on the on the uh, Parahuman subreddit because it is a categorical summary of all the ways that this abuse is built up and, and clearly demonstrates with, like, brutal clarity the specifics of how much of an abuser vd has been up until now and how this is is not almost not even an escalation of his abuse but just a continuation
1: of it yeah yeah exactly um yeah i sort of had the same thing there were like a few points after my live read i was planning to bring to this episode that after i read Megaphy's essay it was like well Megaphy just said it better and and more comprehensively than i would have so uh if you want a lot more discussion on on this whole clusterfuck. Definitely go read Megafire's uh yep. post. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um one of the things I, I did want to pull out is the language in this chapter and how even before this conflict kicks off, because it doesn't kick off for a little bit, there's uh hmm. there's there's a lot of, of stuff that happens beforehand. But even before they, this conflict kicks off, the language in this chapter sets up so powerfully how 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 fucking tense it is how how Mm. much of a presence her dad is right obviously we're tense when verona's dad is in the picture regardless but the language of of i mean the sheer amount of times her dad looms physically or mentally over her is horrifying Mm. like it, it 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 paints this picture of this man the entire house just being this 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 dark corner that he can suddenly spring up from behind and ruin your day ruin your life
1: yeah there's a lot of physicality used in this chapter in particular to define their interactions like when he's you know holding the doors open or later on when he's holding the backpack Mm. like he's this big immovable object for Verona um and he is using that a lot this chapter to try and exert that control over her
0: mm. yeah um and we've seen some of that before obviously i mean yeah him looming in a doorway has been a pretty strong image for how he acts over the course of this story but it really does feel like we hit that beat a lot because it's building up to some horrifying stuff in this chapter yep um so Verona gets on a call with the others and wards the basement uh, as the as the other Kennedys ward their house as well to protect their families.
1: Yeah, and I want to dwell on this bit for a while, uh, not just because it's the positive moment sandwiched in between the horrors, but one of my biggest takeaways from this wake like, warding segment was just uh, like you know I've I've seen or read so many franchises and and stories that have like runes in them uh you know like like it's a it's a it's definitely a sort of trope in in what's a fantasy and and magic type stuff but it's almost always just nonsense like it's a bunch of random symbols or at best it's sort of like you get a few of the basic ones and then they're put together in a big complex symbol it's like ah just magic shit like you know this is what it does Mm -hmm. um what i love so much about the the rune system that's been built up in Pale is—it's like <laughs> we sort of follow step by step how Verona is building this thing, and and he, some parts of it aren't even fully spelled out to us because it's just mm. we get told these are the shapes and the symbols she's using, and we can kind of put it all together, and that's like it's so cool because it's not only like a more detailed and versatile rune system that I've seen anywhere else, including a book series that was entirely built on warding. People and stuff uh like the warded man, that book we read for meteor m d like mm. not always is this better and more fleshed out and more detailed than that story's runes were, but it's only like a small part of of the magic of this world wait like, again, i just I love the world building in the other verse so much that this is like we we can follow the symbolism of an incredibly complex thing as our character makes it, and yeah, so many other stories just don't have that, mm. yeah, I mean. Uh, I think that's the thing about the other verse, right? Is It's
0: tangibility. It, yep. Everything feels so legitimate in this world, whether that's runes, uh, which obviously, or, or the kind of magical systems as a whole, which feel very, very tangible, or even the characters and stuff like that, right? Um, everything feels so real. <laughs> I, I think my favorite thing about this chapter is after it finished, you go straight to the Reddit comments or the comments on the uh, on the, on the actual WordPress site. And uh, despite the fact that this chapter ends with possibly the biggest tangible plot progression that we've had in the entire story, everyone's just talking about the moments between Verona and her dad because yeah. those character moments felt so genuine and real um, that, of course, it dominates everyone's brain, even though it's not the, like, in air quotes, plot of the book that has just majorly been advanced.
1: <laughs> no, Yeah, I had the same thing. When I finished the chapter, the first thing I wanted to talk to people about was the stuff with Verona and her dad, not yeah. the fact that we...
0: Which is crazy to yeah. think about, but I just love that as a representation of how real and tangible everything feels.
1: Yeah, like I was thinking about this after I read it, and it was like, you know, two years ago before I'd really started reading Wabo stuff, if you'd like come up to me and said, yeah, okay, so we've been reading this story, we're about a million words in, um which actually side note pales now longer than packed um but anyway yeah it's just like you know if if somebody came up to me and they're like yeah we're about a million words into this story uh we finally found out who one of the major villains is we found like this all-powerful artifact in the basement now the protagonist is trapped down there and she's trying to figure out how to escape with this super powerful thing that she can't control um but i didn't really care that much because her dad broke her backpack um (laughs) like i would have been like you're an idiot but like that's what it is like <laughs> like uh, uh, that's actually just such a testament to albo's writing that it's like what we care about a lot more is uh, the mm. the people um like that's what makes the story in the end yeah it is it is what defines i think why
0: albo is such a great writer i mean obviously all this stuff works so well in tandem right well, yeah the yeah. fact that verona has had this horrifying conflict with her dad, which makes her want to turn not human, which then is something that she can do in this world and has implications <laughs> for the fact that it actually helps them find the furs. Like, the fact that she turns into a cat helps her get in and find the furs and take care of things, right? Like, it all works so flawlessly in concert together. It's it's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, um But... So, yeah, I, I also just wanted to say, like, go back to the to the runes and stuff. Um, yes. Well, one thing I, I did, like, I obviously said that I like about it as well, like, with that flexibility is how, like, sometimes they just write annotations because it always bothered me in other magic systems where it's like, you use one symbol and it's like, oh, the magic just endures the gap. Um, I like how they sometimes have to explain it here. It's like, Verona sort of draws a link to the phone socket and adds her phone number and then also 911 to sort of, Set up the alarm system. And all I could think from that is, what do the people who answer the 911 call hear <laughs> when the spirits? What would they hear? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, obviously, I... if Verona picks up her phone and it's like, you know, a, a jarbled number and some, some static on the line or whatever, she's going to be like, oh, this is the magical oh, alarm yeah. I set up. Whereas, like, this poor 911 operator, like, what what are they going to get? I mean, you would hope that they would hear,
0: like, Verona's dad screaming or whatever, and that's enough to send out a patrol car. But the the thing that made me realize that was when Lucy said she's gonna call her neighbor instead, and I was just kinda of like, is the neighbor just gonna be like, Oh my god, I'm getting a call from this house, I must go investigate.
1: <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I suppose yeah, you get neighbors call you on the phone, and it's like just fucking walk over? Like <laughs> it's gonna be like, I don't need to answer this. Like if you know, if it was really urgent, they just come over here. Mm. <sighs> Yeah. Um uh, also yeah, Avery <laughs> providing some, some nice comedy in this moment with like her almost death in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um her, the way her brain is just melting under the heat again is so funny. Like her Amen <laughs> that she chucks in it was hilarious. Uh yeah. Yeah, good stuff.
0: Um so I mean, I wanted to pull out another example of this stuff with her dad looming. Uh, there was one I pulled out, which was from later in the chapter when Verona uh, com- says, a feeling stuck with her, leaning on her like her dad in the doorway while she tried to close the door, which
1: <laughs> is... Oh, good.
0: I mean, that's the metaphor that she goes to.
1: Like, that's, that demonstrates yeah. just how wild this is. That's some good writing right there. I love that. mm
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: mm-hmm yeah it just sort of demonstrates how much her dad is just like oppressing her entire thought pattern and psyche which he has been for the whole story but this is a a tangible example as it's all escalating yeah Um, especially because like uh, that that quote that you read out comes from like a larger paragraph of verona thinking about like her own failures and like how she's not measuring up and like so you know as as she's thinking about how she's not good enough it's like in her head her dad is looming over her reinforcing that image um which yeah oh I mean, it is just spot on and then also you kind of like it, the whole premise of, of her freaking out is she's like a 13 year old girl who hasn't committed to like a lifelong decision like she's sort of like, oh i need to pick a speciality and i need to get like a familiar or a domain it's like all of these things are lifelong commitments you can't really undo mm. so that's like you're thirteen. Like, calm down. I, I get that you sort of need it in this in this situation, but also give yourself some some slack for being thirteen and not being ready to commit to something for your entire life. Mm. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, for sure. Right. Like it. Th- this is the thing.
0: Verona is a child. <laughs> yeah. Th- the the expectations that she has placed on herself and that the world and her father explicitly are placing on her are insane right yep um but because she you know because no child wants to stop and say actually i'm a child uh that that's a hard conversation to have i mean verona does giving verona mad props she does say that exact thing in this conversation with her dad and yep it's i mean there's no comeback to it like (laughs) you can't you can't come back to it anyway um Touched on this before, but this is the part where Verona thinks that having the furs isn't actually going to be enough. They still need more power, which is great because they find the furs. So, uh, obviously, just stealing those isn't going to be enough uh, while Bo
1: is setting that up. I mean, it's a start. It's a start, and it's definitely, obviously, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I mean, wait, this is something the arc has hit a, no- a number of times, this idea that, like, just getting the furs and finding out who done it is not the end of the, the road like this mm. isn't a who done it story where you know we're sitting everyone down in the living room and being and revealing who done it and then the story's kind of over and they go without a fuss like this is unmasking the villains is the first step it's not the end
0: mm mm
1: yeah <sighs> we will see how it uh continues i guess later
0: on um but yeah so something interesting is Verona We've been talking about, and Verona talks a lot about this pile of fuck that she is getting buried under. Um, Mm. The things on her plate that are burying her, burning her out, overwhelming her. Um, But it's worth saying, this chapter, it feels like she actually, up until obviously the part we're about to get to... It feels like she's actually making progress on that. Like she talks about this, she talks about the things that she needs to prevent from building up. She has a moment before, a very, very cruel moment by Wildbo where as Verona is heading up the stairs, she's saying she felt good about this. All she needed was to keep this <laughs> momentum going. And for reading that, you're like, yeah, Verona, you can you can pull yourself out of this. But obviously on the second read through, it's just
1: Wobbo. Fucking
0: (laughs) torturing one of his protagonists in the cruelest of ways.
1: Yeah, especially it it let me get my hopes up a bit too. Um Mm -hmm. which is foolish. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I I mean this is something like we've talked about a bit recently with like uh you know Verona cleaning up at the police station and stuff. Like she she came across early in the story as so like anti doing chores or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like Mm -hmm. peppered throughout, there's always been things where it's like she doesn't hate work she doesn't hate she, hard work yeah she she just wants it to mean something or to have a point and mm. the way her dad treats chores and treats her making her do them has has taken that out to the point where she she has come up come against a lot of these things with like this is unnecessary and i hate it and it's terrible um and and so you can sort of see here like you know this isn't verona looking at this big pile of fuck and and thinking like oh i just want to Go and do cool magic, but I can't because there's all these jobs. It's her like looking at this list of stuff that she sees the point of doing, and she knows she has to, and she's just reacting to it in a normal way, which is like, oh, it's too much of it, but it's not mm. that. It's not that like you know. I, I think in arc three or something, I might have had the impression, oh, this is just you know the Verona who doesn't like having that much work, but it's not. It's not that. This is the normal like oh god, I'm drowning reaction to having a hundred things to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, she's, it's not
0: the fact that she has stuff to do, you're right, it's just that there is so much, and, like, god, uh, her, like, her dad is just an endless font of (laughs) fuck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Verona finishes up downstairs and heads up the stairs in a pretty good mood. Not for long.
1: (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, the, this is the part I suppose we've got to talk about. Yes,
0: it's so painful to read, and I wish that we could just skip over it and say, go check out Megafire's uh, essay, but there's actually so much to talk about in here that yeah. we just can't do
1: that. Yeah, I'd actively stop in my live read pulling out every line that had me saying, like, oh fuck, out loud, Yeah, it was just about every line <laughs> at yeah. one point, like, it just... Like Brett hits the bottom and then just keeps fucking digging,
0: keeps digging. Yeah. Um,
1: and like the icing on top of all this is like Verona has just spent all that time down there like protecting him. Yeah. But she can't. She can't tell him, and he won't trust her on that. And, and honestly, yeah, it, what if she had had told him what would happen?
0: He yeah, he would like, have found another thing to be a fuckwit about.
1: That's the thing. I was like, I I reached the point where I was like, even if she could tell him, and even if he believed her. He'd still find a way to make it not good enough and yeah like, yeah and i mean like this is the thing because like that's what like a loving healthy relationship should be is like verona shouldn't have to be like oh i just spent all this time protecting you because it it, it should just be like implicit sort of stuff like th- this is a very avery sort of thing to be like she like avery would just expect her partner to do this for her and she would just do this for her partner and like without even sort of saying it it's just like an assumed thing you would do for them if you have that capacity. um, mm. and But that's just not how Brett works, and that's why none of his relationships are healthy, because he's mm-hmm. fucking keeping score. Yeah. um, There's no... I mean,
0: he's keeping score, but he's keeping score as well in a way that it's just being a huge piece of shit.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so keep- keeping score is, like, level one of his ten-level bullshittery that he's doing.
0: Yeah. um. So let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. Uh, here's my the first thing that I thought during this, which is there's this bit where Verona mentions, do you know how many times I almost died this summer or worse? And he just doesn't respond. And then Verona <laughs> mentions, it doesn't matter. It was like he was broken. And I alluded Sorry, to uh, this before.
1: It's actually even worse than that because what she says is she says, I tell you things and you don't listen. You just make it about <laughs> you. I almost died. And his response is, well, I'm almost dying all the time with how much I work. It's like he does exactly yeah, what he did exactly. He's so
0: unaware. Um, <laughs> it's ironically, because maybe he is aware. Um, <laughs> he's the most oblivious aware that we could ever imagine. Yeah, I don't know. Like this that tied with Rona explicitly saying it was like he was broken. I'm just like, we've thought it for a while, we've made comparisons to how VD is effectively a, a ghost that just hasn't died mm. yet. Um, the other thing that this makes me think is Verona's escape plan, so to speak, has always been, I'll, if things, you know, I could always just become an other. That's kind of what she's been keeping in her back pocket if things get really bad, right? Yeah. Um and what would ruin that more than her dad becoming an other first? <laughs> Nothing, I think. And therefore, it's 100% confirmed that Verona's dad, I think, is is either already some form of other slash aware or is going to become that by the end of the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we sort of already touched on, I feel like stuff like that is happening more easily with all the carmine bullshit going on. Um, yes. Especially if the Kenneteers are about to pop the furs out of this hut that is kind of containing a lot of their energy. Mm. Um but yeah, like see I don't know. There's something more horrifying about Brett and Verona's situation if he is just a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the idea that he the idea that it becomes magically enhanced. I mean, you know, like us and, and, and just about everyone reading the story has made jokes or, or comments about how he might become other or aware pretty much the whole story. Um but I think it's almost more terrifying because he is just still a normal human. It's like how that most scary X-Files episode is that one where it's just the, like, the crazy hillbilly people. Um, mm. Like sometimes what's more scary than the magical is just the fact that Brett is still just, for all intents and purposes, a regular guy. Mm. Um, so I almost, uh, part of me almost hopes he doesn't end up being an other or in a way, That's fair. Because in a way that's more horrifying.
0: No, I get that, and I we've talked about how one of the great things about this chapter is that everyone has been talking the most about the least supernatural thing in the chapter, <laughs> right? Which I yeah. do think is amazing, but I think it's just too juicy that that would cut yeah. off Verona's escape route in such a tangible way, and it ironically might even push her to become more human to <laughs> to reject, you know, to reject the the authority of her father, like or flip side maybe she'll end up like binding him or something and that would be so many levels of fucked up <laughs> um i don't yeah, know i, I just think
1: yeah that would be a can of worms and a half wouldn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah you're right that it would hurt some of these themes in a way that would make them less magical but i think the great thing about this story is that doesn't yeah in another story i might care about that more but in pale and impact magic isn't inhuman magic is yeah an extension you know and so if anything it, it kind of amplifies it i, I don't know
1: I, I i see what you're saying but i also think it would just have so many interesting narrative payoffs that i just
0: want it to happen
1: yeah no you're right in that it's so interesting how it ties into verona's own battle with the concept of self and humanity in a really yeah. interesting way like that and that's totally why it would work it, like if it is that if, it, if that is the direction we're going um mm. because it's it's going to be more of a commentary on Verona's way of coping cuz it's it's going to be saying hey see so what you were doing was trying to point yourself further down um this part and cuz we've seen so much like like so many of the aware and like people like Nibble and Chloe they all became others because shit wasn't working yeah um yeah and even Matt uh with the doom so yeah mm. wait, what wait the other thing that gets me, sort of just coming back to the Verona and, and Brett argument in general, is when you sort of get to the second half of it, what I hate is that a lot of valid and good points start to come up, but it's like, this is what happens in arguments. When you're that far into it, the The truth doesn't get heard as much because the <clears> tempers <throat> are already heated. I mean, in Brett's yeah. case, they probably wouldn't have been heard in the first place anyway, because he's an idiot, but... Um, yeah it, it sucks so much to hear verona make these really clear and like concise summaries of what brett is doing wrong and how he's hurting her and he just can't hear it because they're in the middle he, of a argument he's he's sort of oh you know so many people do this when you're in a heated argument you sort of almost switch more to win mode than to yeah it's more about scoring the points argument. than actually exactly yeah god
0: um, it's rough
1: yeah and i mean like brett even like the 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 other worst part is that Brett also actually makes some points that are, at least, maybe if they're not kind of true of Verona now, they were who Verona used to be. Like, he he sort of criticizes her as someone who coasts and doesn't put effort in. And it's like, to be fair, at the start of the story, that is actually a fair criticism of who she was. Mm. Um, But uh, this situation, that just kind of proves how detached he is from where she is now, because that's not who she is anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She does so well. Franny, you do right. so good here. He calls Jazz a bad mom, which just like... Yeah, fuck go off. Go
0: fuck yourself. Fuck right off, pal.
1: Like <laughs> right, That that might have been the bit that made my blood boil just the most because... He, uh, yeah.
0: It's just so... I mean, it's good <laughs> that it's in there because it is just so clearly, undeniably wrong in yeah. every single way that there's no way anyone can... Like, you know, I I think that we've obviously jumped off this train long ago, but at the start of the story, we were kind of able to, to empathize a bit with Brett and be like, he's trying to repair his relationship, blah, 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 right? Mm. Obviously that ship has long since sailed, <laughs> but the, the, this line almost to me feels like Wabo saying, hey, nobody can be on Brett's side anymore and I'm going to make him call Jazz a bad mum to uh, absolutely make sure that's the case
1: yeah i mean i i still find myself and it's the same thing with when we were with melissa a couple of weeks ago Mm. i'm always sitting here and i'm just like i i just want you to get help and i want you to be better and i i feel pity for you more than anything else until you open your mouth it's like whenever Brett is actually (laughs) on screen i'm like go fuck yourself with a cactus yeah but then whenever he's off screen like we're talking about him now and he's sort of a you know what he did is in the past is sort of separate i can't help but just be like god he just needs help Mm. um yeah
0: yeah i mean yeah the thing is we all want him to get help we all want him to get better obviously but but we and definitely verona don't don't have a responsibility to be to him to help him or be culpable to him getting that help right like what the ideal state is, we don't tell him to get help. Verona doesn't have to push him to get help. He just goes and does it in the background of the story because that's not Verona's responsibility. And the, and the, by extension, it's not our responsibility to have to see that as an audience. It should just happen if he was not a piece of shit. Yeah.
1: The, the, the closest it comes to being Verona's responsibility is a form of self-care where if she can get him to get help, it helps her. Yeah. Um, but, like, if that's going to be difficult for her, I'm not going to... Which, yeah, it's yeah. already crossed that, that <laughs> yeah exactly threshold. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't know. It, it, again, like, I'm I'm so mad at him when I'm reading this, but I guess, like, when you take that sort of step back, I'm just like, well, anger doesn't help here. I just want him to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. Which is what Rona told him to do. Um, I mean, it, it, like, as another little thing. He does so much, like, of that petty coup and claim bullshit, like, without knowing that's what he's doing, of course. Mm. but like he sounds like Bristow and alexander at their worst when he's like i pay for the backpack so it's technically mine um mm. and megafire obviously went into why that's bullshit in terms of like being a parent um but it it also just taps into like the worst parts of the magical world that we have here like just to really reinforce how shitty he's being <sighs> he's
0: absolutely being the worst and there's no way to there's no there's nothing that can be done. Clearly, he is too far beyond for any intervention from, uh, I was about to say Victoria, Verona to have any impact.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I did reach the point halfway through this live read where I was wondering how busy Nibble and Chloe are. Mm. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: that's Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we sort of hit this peak where he... Uh, Smashes up. Well, yeah. If I, he takes her backpack like a schoolyard bully, and then like, breaks it. Mm. Like it's some, it's some worm arc one bullshit. What he does, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. So obviously, VD breaks, smashes her bag and breaks her mask, and when she takes it out she reflects on how it was a gift from lucy and 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 she even uses the words a symbol of where she belonged which i mean we talked about how verona's self is hurting from all the stress and trauma that she's been under this is literally a definition of her like a tether to her friends and her humanity being broken Um, and we see presumably the impact of that shortly when she turns into an animal and just kind of shuts out her humanity to the strongest extent that she can
1: yeah i mean these masks are literally the symbols the magical world uses to identify these girls like in in people's sights, they have these masks as their faces Mm. so like the fact that like vd has just cracked a huge important part of verona's identity into pieces is Mm. an accurate metaphor uh yeah like like i mean the symbolism is just sort of right there on the table her she she's been shattered by this Mm. um and i mean as an aside it makes me wonder like we kind of figured out exactly what avery's broken prong means in that regard because that's something that came up last chapter as well like she she has this prong that broke off her mask and it sometimes sort of sits back in there but it's like i can't figure out what part of herself it might map to that kind of got broken off in that fight against america
0: mm-hmm. yeah no i don't i don't think we really have right Or possibly there's been some stuff in chapters where that's been effective the prong breaking but we haven't really called it out or mm. it won't be obvious until in retrospect maybe i i don't necessarily think that we've seen it have any impact
1: yeah i can't think of it whereas like it, it, it just that stands out to me now because like What's happening with Verona's cat mask here is is much more transparent in just like she has been shattered, and now her mask has been too, yeah, yeah, and he broke the quill, yep, yep
0: <laughs> yep, um, it's rough, it's rough, um so yeah, Verona runs away, turning into a cat and putting everything out of her mind.
1: Yeah, it's that uh, that escapism that we discussed at the start of the chapter dialed up to 100. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, reading this, I, I thought there was a solid chance that Rena would just stay as a cat for an extended period of the story. And that doesn't happen. Um, but God, we feel it. We feel the panic and we feel the concern of Avery and Lucy when she's just non-communicative with them. Yeah
1: like, like that, that's the thing I, I this is definitely like an escalation of how Verona has used glamour as an escape um mm. because because something that that is sort of not spelled out but pretty clear in the text is she's leaning more into being a cat like the reason she can't really talk is because to to be a talking cat she has to lean a little bit more into human and doing that like puts her emotions too close it's like you know she the, the, if you compare this passage of her being a cat to like all the previous ones, her thinking is much more cat like than normal. And she's like, she's pushing her humanity further away than she normally does to be more cat. Um, which like obviously it just doesn't feel like it's healthy. And mm. um like you know, there's moments where Avery and Lucy actually have doubts that it's even her. Like that's how much she's leaning yeah. into cat instead of human. I mean, she's
0: um, that's that's a tangible representation of her having left her identity behind, right? Yeah. or even her connection to her friends being broken a bit if they for a moment don't even recognize her.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and like you know the, the there could be longer-term sort of implications to to this specific moment, because like we've already want that Marcy's trick with this glamour is that, like you know, Verona turning into a cat over and over reinforces it as like a groove. That other people can also slip upon her um like i think it was shelly who like turned her into a cat against her will mm. um so it's kind of like the fact that verona is now not not only like doing that groove again but like pushing that groove further like she's turning herself more cat than she has in the past which is mm. pushing that groove further making it like something marissa could push you know f- even more on um and because I like, th- th- like this is where it starts to get concerning because she's going cat enough that like she's not all human anymore, uh cognitively. And yeah. Uh like like y- yeah, I mean that that's a problem if somebody else does that to her, obviously. And it's just a problem that <laughs> she's doing that to herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like it ties it ties back to like what what that difference between her and Lucy and the way they use glamour is. Like, I don't think Lucy would be capable of this in the same way. Um, she would get lost and disconnected from herself accidentally, but I don't think she'd be able to push it away in that same way. She embraces herself with the glamour, not pushing it away. Hmm. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah. I mean you know, we've we've we know the weaknesses inherent with, and traps inherent within this glamour, so uh given the fact that we're pretty certain a fairy is gonna be involved with the plot, I'm sure we'll see Verena's gat form being used against her soon enough. Yeah. Um so did Verona turn into a cat in front of her dad? Did that happen? No I, uh,
1: wait, I sorry, I just That came right, across faster than I asked and it answered. Too. It's because well, no, 'cause 'cause you're not the first person who I, I've seen other people talking about that. We even got a power predictor prediction um saying that she did that. But I mean I've pulled it out in the script here, Ruby though, like, bolded it. There's a sentence where he leaves the room before she even gets to her backpack. Um Huh. So
0: you've pulled out the quote. I don't believe it. How could keep, so many people have had the same thought? I don't know. Okay, I I, of... I've seen
1: a lot of people. Talk, he he left the room before she even gets to her backpack. I, don't, I, I There might be a bit of confusion because he talks to her after he leaves the room. Um, oh yeah, you're right. But yeah, uh, no, wait, like, yeah. To to everybody who who keeps saying this, he he left the room. He
0: like, leaves he the room still talking to her. That's why yeah. it's confusing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, the trio follow their compasses and track the irregularities to a cabin. Verona and Snowdrop find
1: a way to burrow inside and they find the furs. I, I love how as the four of them find the cabin and are like scoping it out and seeing someone who they can't identify yet, like walking inside, they start getting these texts about, oh, Melissa is out and we need you to handle it. And I was just like, fuck off with this bullshit <laughs> every time we get close there's distractions like it's the biggest load of crap and i'm so glad they just ignore it
0: uh yeah it's it's bullshit it's clear (laughs) it's a clear distraction right um yeah so this didn't really click to me until the second read-through but the people who have the common furs are using it to make an outfit and i don't know if this is intentional but it gave me major buffalo bill vibes like Hmm. Um, Silence of the Lamb style, making an outfit in a creepy basement of, of a, a, a murder victim, like nothing good comes from that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I, I, it makes me want to pull out this thought, which is we've often discussed the fact that it feels like this story isn't going to resolve with it just being like, oh, it was secretly me and I'm the villain and now we've got to fight. We've had conversations yeah. about how when we find out who it is, we're presumably going to find out there are good reasons here. Um, there are good reasons for what they've been doing, but I don't know. The fact that this makes me, this screams serial killer to me rather than like <laughs> desperate struggle for survival doesn't necessarily reinforce that idea.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, wait, wait. Edith's the obvious one to turn to because we've talked about this in the past, but it's like if she's doing all of this, to get powerful enough that she can, like, escape the doom, that's going to be one of those things where it's like, what you've done is monstrous and awful, but I do kind of... I get why you became... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, something that jumped out to me about the outfit is it seems really incomplete, and I just wonder if maybe uh, Matt and Edith, because they've had so much on their plate, like, this is partially why they're just so tired all the time, because it's like... Mm. They're trying to keep watch here as well. Yeah, maybe they're behind schedule on putting the outfit together.
0: Mm, Yeah,
1: I mean they have talked about how
0: they really didn't expect the Kennedys to be as competent as they are, and in hindsight, maybe that's
1: and it has meant we've had to really uh, accelerate our evil plans. (laughs) Well, not just that, but like losing the barrier and the hungry choir. Like we talked about how much harder that's made it since then. So they just would have lost time because there's too much to do. Yeah, the maintenance of the town is taking more of their time than they probably expected.
0: They've got too much of a big pile of fuck they have to get through.
1: Yeah. Wait, and Miss leaving is another one. Like as long as Miss was running the town, they would have had much more time to do this. Mm. Yeah. Um so yeah. Uh Snowdrop accidentally makes a
0: noise and someone comes in. Edith. Uh <sighs> Villain number one, uh, she is <laughs> apparently on the phone with Matthew, it seems, and then around them in the room are both Goblin and Fae Traps, so we kind of are starting to put together who might be our villains.
1: Yeah. I, I, Although Edith yeah.
0: is the only one that's hard confirmed here, obviously.
1: Yeah, which which makes sense. Like The story has basically been telling us for six months now that Edith is a culprit. Um. So, you know, it, it makes sense to hard confirm her first, <laughs> just because it's like, it's the least reveal-y reveal uh, that we could sort of have at our our warm-up, basically. Mm. Um, Yeah, the the other ones are interesting. Like, I've seen a lot of tinfoiling about who else she could technically be on the phone with. Um, But, I mean, Occam's razor sort of, wait, I'm going to assume it's Matt until proven otherwise, because it's just, you really have to tinfoil it into someone else to to make it fit, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah um indeed
0: uh so almost certainly matthew is guilty here yeah. i mean yeah um I, I,
1: until shown otherwise i'm just gonna assume it's him and, and lump it guilty. yeah the, um, the, go- the goblin and Fay stuff i'm i'm much more willing to dive into the tinfoil of like it's such a hodgepodge of things that it's almost i could see these having been stuff that was donated to the perimeter and Matthew yes and have just not used have, it for that used it
0: for other things exactly i mean we've obviously been suspicious of marissa for a while so yeah um yeah. hot money is on her being involved goblin wise you know toad Swallow has been a little sus sometimes but then there's also been other things that that mean it could really be any of them um
1: yeah i i still don't buy toad Slow, but um yeah, yeah. Like I'd be willing I, I think I think this might be a thing where the fairy stuff may have come direct from Marcy, like knowingly. Um yeah. but I would be willing to believe that the goblin stuff was just things they thought they were donating to the perimeter.
0: Yeah, especially because when would a fairy and a goblin work together? Am I right? No way.
1: <laughs> well, there was that time with the Oni that was very similar to this, but yeah. That's true. Yeah.
0: Um anywho. <laughs> uh one thing that's interesting that Edith says is I'll be more useful in the later stages of tonight anyway. And there are, I think, one or two other beats like this that that have some soft implications that actually their grand plan was going to unra- unravel or unfold tonight anyway. Or maybe it's just either suggesting that she's stronger in general in the evenings, who knows? But it does seem like there's stuff that was already going to happen.
1: Yeah, she, she says a few things in the context of the invaders. Like, there's one part where she's like, we don't want the invaders getting the best of us and slowing us down. And it almost yep. implies that the invaders getting the best of them is part of the plan. Mm. Like maybe that's tinfoiling. I don't like that's a, it, this half of the conversation that we get is perfectly vague enough that you just are left yep. with so much room to tinfoil. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to dive in on. Like there's a bit where she sort of implies they're probably going to try and send Crooked Rook after the trio. Mm. um. But Matt has to be careful she doesn't come after him as well. So I guess Crooked Rook maybe still sees him as a bit of a practitioner. Mm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I hope I hope they said Crooked Rook at them because I, I want more Crooked Rook. <laughs> Again, on the list of things, 9.9 is maybe sad. I don't think we're going to get quite as early as I expected. Uh, some sort of deal with Crooked Rook is on that list. Mm-hmm. The memory yeah. visit with Alpi and Monty. Uh, sorry, with Tashlit and Monty is also uh probably an unfortunate casualty of 9.9's ending. Yeah. Um
0: so yeah, uh Verona jumps over to the Furs and sets up silence runes, and as the room falls silent, Verona takes a hammer and vents her frustration into the pipes which burst, washing away the traps. Verona now stands in the water next to the furs.
1: I mean It's so funny because last week I sort of desperately tried to draw this connection between Matthew and Edith's basement and like how Lucy and Verona avoided working in Verona's dad's basement. Um, I think I was a week early on the comparisons between uh, Verona's dad's basement and Matthew and Edith's basement because this one is a lot more transparent. Um, She spent all this time creating artwork and an explosive fuse in her dad's basement this chapter and then she comes here and Vents her frustration in her dad by trashing Matthew and Edith's basement. Mm. Yep. Um, Again, she's got sprinkly water, so uh, that'll hopefully <laughs> slow down Edith and allow Avery to get stabby.
0: Yeah. It's uh,
1: what an image it is, right? Like Brenna oh, yeah.
0: standing in this basement with the water flooding over her. Like it. It feels. It is on paper a victory, but it feels uh, I don't even know like unhinged mm-hmm. to me in a way that's so tangible. Um yeah. It's not yeah. cool and calculated. It's Verona slipping away almost with the glamour and everything being washed.
1: Yeah, I I I mean, like, you know, this has sort of become a thing in the story. Like Verona bottles everything up until she has these dumb explosions as as Lucy calls them. Mm. And I was sort of waiting from almost the start of this chapter. I was like, this feels like one of those chapters where we're gonna get a Verona explosion. And I mean, yeah, this is it here. Like she's gone in with no plan, no, like as you said like this isn't calculated this is just she's emotional mm-hmm. and so she's run in here and caused a fucking mess and like you know it's like her hand is bleeding it's also covered in ink she's holding her mask in shards like she she talks about how her hair is a mess like she is just deranged is a great word for how she must look. sort of sitting on this table with like all this shit going down being sprayed by water like she's just a force of chaos at this point Yeah, Um, and you're right. Visually, like you just picture her on this table, with water spraying around, and her looking. She'd have this crazy look in her eyes. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Um, and that's the end of the poor poor snowdrops. Just trying to be helpful,
0: (laughs) be helpful, and not just abandon her to her unraveling. (laughs) Yeah, and that's where the chapter ends. Um, Yeah, what a chapter! What a great chapter!
1: Yeah, we'll see how this lives up to, to recency or whatever but like I, I i think i'm pretty much ready to lock this in as my favorite chapter in the story yeah it's definitely between this and, and the implement ritual chapters yeah <sighs> yeah good stuff
0: um then we get a bonus material an extra material which is a map of kennet locations and past events and it's it's great but it's very visual and it's a recap of everything we already know so i'm not sure there's much for us to talk about with it yeah it's, it's just kind of, of got the, key locations marked on it
1: the the two things that inhibit our ability to talk about extra material are both very present in this one. Mm. Um, yeah, I I mean it, it's a handy little recap. I definitely lost a lot of that space. Like I thought Tashlit lived a lot closer to the fairy than she does. Yeah. So there are a lot of little things like that that cleared up for me. And like seeing where the perimeter actually is was neat. Yeah. Um yeah. I really yeah, I, I enjoyed the art. I thought I thought seeing Sharon get slammed in the text was always nice. <laughs> Um yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. Uh the top Reddit comment on this when I when I went in there was like somebody saying, Oh finally some canon fan art of Ken. Which is funny.
0: (laughs) Classic comment, a top tier comment. Um (laughs) and then uh yeah, uh, (laughs) it was great. Um but that's uh we don't have that much to say about it. So I guess that's the end of our show. Uh thanks for joining us, folks. Uh but before we wrap up, let's dive into a discussion question shall we
1: yeah uh so this was this was sort of born of a discussion that that came out of uh discussing what happened in nine dot nine uh with Verona and her dad uh so a discussion question is is a pretty simple should Avery Lucy, or Jasmine have done more about Verona's situation already mm. um uh, maybe it's not fair to target those three. You could talk about other people if you want, um but yeah, like i guess i I'm curious what people think. It, it should something have already been done about this situation. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I would also just love to hear. I'd love to hear more thoughts about what can be done about this situation now. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, leave your answers to that in the Reddit thread, which you'll find linked in the show notes down below. And in the show notes, you will find those that discussion thread feel free to uh, not just leave your comments on the discussion question, but leave your comments about the show in general or these chapters uh mm. this 9.9 was a big one so there's a lot to dive into so feel free to uh to post some theories some some crazy wild theories into the reddit thread
1: yes uh you can also check out our twitter uh that's where we announce new episodes we do the live reads and you know all sorts of other fun things uh there's there'll probably be some pretty cool announcements coming out via that twitter thread over the next few weeks so mm. uh you know worth following.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um you can also head to our website, doofmedia.com, where you can find all of the other great shows on the Doof Media Network. Uh what you say is about to hopefully, assuming Elise doesn't have her baby beforehand, uh, have the finale for season three. It's gonna be a great show. I'm anticipating a moment in the show where Elise goes into labor and things yeah. really go off the rails. And I just can't wait for that to happen in the finale of their season three discussion.
1: Yeah, my apologies to Elise, but I think just the the quality of the content that will yeah. occur if she the, goes into labor. The narrative labor... arc of that going into labor
0: <laughs> during the show is just too good to not uh, have it happen. It's um, very soap opera too. Like It's just <laughs> perfect. <purpose. laughs> yes Uh, as we mentioned earlier of course you can go to doofmedia.com forward slash discord to join in the conversation with all of these shows as well if you would like to um
1: yeah uh so don't forget to stop by our patreon if you want to keep uh you know doofmedia operating as it is uh you know we wouldn't be able to put all this time in without our patrons uh, helping to support us so patreon.com forward slash doofmedia
0: Yes, and while you're on Patreon, make sure you check out Wildbo's Patreon as well at patreon.com/slash Wildbo, because he makes all these great stories for us to play around in. Uh, nine point nine deserves uh, deserves some more <laughs> patrons, so uh, head over yeah. there if you haven't already and support him.
1: Whew. And I guess with that, we'll see you all next week for yeah. uh, probably more Arc Nine, probably about the end. Uh, of who Arcanine. knows? Yeah. See ya! Bye.